in the midst of a recession, but don't worry, the White House knows their pronouns. Indoctrination inside Florida schools, and the vice governor is one step closer to picking his running mate, all on this edition of the fastest growing conservative podcast in South Carolina. A lot to get to on the show today. We'll go from Washington to Arizona to Wisconsin, then back to South Carolina wow. because we are world travelers. Like yes, travel we are. Lately. Nice. Feels yeah. like I've been all over the place, so, too. So, yeah. We began a couple days ago. Obviously, we record about twice a week. So, we're trying to catch you up a little bit. And by the end of the show, we're going to give you news that's going to happen on Monday. Wow. Neither a prophet nor the son of a prophet. Uh-huh. But we'll get there. Trump and Pence, former President Donald Trump and former Vice President Mike Pence, were both in Washington, D.C. a couple days ago, both speaking in Washington at the same time. Here's what's interesting, guys. Dave and Mitch are here, as always. Uh, there's been a break. I, the big elephant in the room is January 6th, of course, but if you go deeper than that, deeper than Mike Pence casting the votes to certify the election and we move on, now you have gubernatorial races in Wisconsin and Arizona where both men have endorsed two separate candidates. Right. So Mike Pence is coming out with a book in the fall that notes the sort of uh, dismantling of the relationship, sort of the pulling apart. The former vice president on, on Tuesday, I believe, said, well, President Trump and I aren't different in our goals. We're different in our approach. How we get there. How we get yeah. there is where we differ. Right. So is, is this, I mean, the other elephant in the room is the guy from Florida. But for right now, is this setting up for a 2024 showdown between the for, the former ticket? I think you're going to see a split in the ticket. I think you're going to have Trump. Every indication is, and every person that I've spoken to, because we were in California with some of our colleagues at, at the other family policy councils, and the things that they're hearing on the ground and things that are people who are close to Trump are saying it's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Uh, you've got Mike Pence, former vice president, who has made several trips to South Carolina. The reason that you come to South Carolina is because we are an early primary state. First in first the South. In the South. Uh, with the exception of 2012 and Newt Gingrich winning against Mitt Romney in the primary, South Carolina has chosen the nominee for both parties since 1980. So South Carolina plays an outside role in that. I think when you begin to look at the fact that Mike Pence has been coming to the state, it's evident that he's going to be running. Donald Trump is making every indication that he's going to be running. And after hearing some things that were going on in Florida this past weekend, you can be guaranteed that once you get past the November election in Florida and the gubernatorial election right. there, Ron DeSantis is going to immediately be throwing his name into the race. Well, I have to throw this out, too, because in the electoral timetable, sometimes we get lost. This has already happened. It happened in Georgia just a couple of months ago. You remember David Perdue, Senator David Perdue, is endorsed by Trump a long ways out, mainly because, quote-unquote, Kemp lied. There were billboards all over the place that said Kemp lied. About what? I don't know. We don't know, but he lied. And so Trump endorsed Perdue. And then at the last moment, within the last two weeks of the election in that primary, Mike Pence, Vice President Mike Pence, came in and endorsed Kemp over Purdue. Of course, we know that Kemp beat Purdue nearly 64. 
40. So uh, this has happened. It's going to keep happening. I don't know that it necessarily ratchets up the tension between the two. You know, I don't know if this is a you know an outside rivalry, and then they quietly shake hands and you know, maybe so. maybe drink bourbon in the back room, or uh, you know, how many podcasts can we right. slip in? Exactly. Right. I don't. I don't know what that looks like. You know, is is, is this the Steve Spurrier, Debo Sweeney relationship where they're beating each other up on camera and then they're like, hey, you want to go play golf? I, yeah. I don't know. So there's that was a not lot. a very good Steve Spurrier, by the way. Uh, well, I'm sorry. What? Never mind. Anyway, there, there we go. All right. <laughs> so, I and, and truthfully, I don't think it is that. I, I actually think you there's think it's some, a real rivalry. I, I really do, at least on one side. Yeah. Right? I mean, at least on one it's side. It's a great, one, great rivalry. One party in this certainly feels very, very uh, disavowed and right. very, very mm-hmm. hurt by what happened. Now, again, we can have the conversation on on what happened in 2020, and that's a conversation that I think should have happened and has happened in many sectors of the of the country. And what the former vice president is saying that while 2020 there were some abnormalities, uh, the Constitution there was nothing that says that I shouldn't certify the election. I did my constitutional duty, and I'm moving mm-hmm. on looking toward the goals of, of 2024, which tells me all I need to know. You mentioned the governor in Florida. I mean, I think Ron DeSantis wakes up in the morning, looks at his aides and says, what would score me points? Oh, yeah. And How do makes, I win Iowa? And, and what makes sense in <laughs> Iowa, South Carolina, New Hampshire? Because I'm going to win Florida. Right. So what can win me Texas over whomever's left, right? That's why he's talking about ESG scores yeah. so early in the process. Well, it, it, he's laying out, and, and it really is going to be very interesting because in talking, again, in talking with some of our colleagues, the policy issues that are going to be coming out in 2024 are really going to be based around those core conservative issues that we care about, mm-hmm. that Palmetto Family takes a, a lead on in South Carolina because we recognize that that is where the conservative viewpoint is espoused and that's where when you start to take a look at what arguments are being made when DeSantis starts spending a whole hour doing a press conference on <laughs> environmental social justice the and governance scores press I love it. it really boils down to the simple fact that we are gearing up for what will be a busy 2024 the question is one of how much of the oxygen will be taken up in the room by Donald Trump? And he has nothing to gain and nothing to lose by announcing whether he's going to run for president right now. I think he has something to lose if he's if he if he says he's not going to. Yes, yes, correct. Because then the relevance begins to diminish. Yeah. So he has to hold on to the relevance at least for some point, at least through the midterms. I believe he announces either right before the midterms or right after. I think he announces right after if you see his candidates have a very good night on November 8th. Right, and if you take a look at the event that was going on that Trump spoke at in Washington, D.C., it was a Trump organization event. The American First uh, Policy Institute. Which, that's paired up against the one that Mike Pence was speaking at. So when you look at those two, that is the breakdown between two different factions within the Republican Party. And we've talked about this before. This is a place where you have multiple shades of red. You have multiple viewpoints. And it's the way our primary system works. Sure. Yep. Unlike Great Britain or Israel or any other state that has a, a, a parliamentary style, we beat ourselves up in a primary, rally ourselves behind the winners, and then go out and to defeat the right. other side. Right. Yeah. That's the way our system works in America. Well, it's interesting that it works in the primary system, and apparently it works on... Um the economic front as well. Obviously, I don't know if you know this, 
But we're recording this on a Thursday. The, the new GDP number just came out. Literally just came out. 0.9. Um, so that's two consecutive quarters of negative growth, which would be shrinking, which, according to my definition and the definition of every economist before two seconds ago, is a recession. Right. Well, yeah. now the current administration, again, I'm not, I don't want to be partisan here. I just want, let's just look at brass facts. That's a recession. We are in a recession, but the White House says, no, 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 we're not, no, we're not. Everyone, shh, what you see is not real. But, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot. Yes. Hi, my name is Justin, and I'm wearing a white shirt. You're sitting at a wood table? I'm sitting at a wood table, with a... and I'm wearing a white shirt with a laptop and a mustache. That's, I just want to get that out of the way. <laughs> mustache. You haven't seen, mustache. Haven't seen, that's a new one. That's a new one. If I'm you haven't saying. seen the vice president, really? not a <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. Is, okay. Not a chance. That'd be a mustache. Oh. Uh, there's a difference. Oh. But, um, if, if you haven't seen the vice president speaking, she's speaking? Can we, she's sh- speaking. Can we show that real quick? Sure. Here's the vice president speaking, uh, and I'm, I'm assuming it's the executive office building a couple of days ago. Ignore the vacuum outside the door. Uh, good afternoon. I want to welcome these leaders for coming in to have this very important discussion um, about some of the most pressing issues of our time. Um, I am Kamala Harris. My pronouns are she and her. I am a woman sitting at the table wearing a blue suit. And um, Really? That, per, uh, was she? Okay. I, I think that the fact that she had to look at what color she was wearing. The fact that she had to look down and go, oh, I'm, oh, I'm wearing a blue suit. Hope, uh, it should have my name in it. Um, it <laughs> Is I, that really upside down so you I can read it? Point, we're, we're, we're talking about disabilities. Now, there were a lot of things. I can't get into this whole spiel that they had on Tuesday because, oh, oh it makes your head hurt. But... I will say the understanding is they, they describe what color they're wearing for those who are visually impaired. But again, I'm not trying to be crass. I'm not trying to be rude. But if someone who is blind from birth is listening, how do they know what blue is? Well, I think the bigger question is, are they, you know, are they politically blind on this one? Because when you start taking a look at something oh, like yes. the recession, let's just read the definition real quick. Here it is. A, te- a period of temporary economic decline during which trade and industrial activity are reduced generally identified by a fall in GDP, which is the gross domestic product, in two successive quarters. Check, 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 oh, check, check. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but but if, we go back, if we go back and we play what everybody else in Washington is saying right now, they're living in denial. It's which, not a recession, Dave. It's, 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 it's not a recession. We are in the midst, Dave, of a great transition. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, a great transition you, to clean energy. You might be on to something. And, and, yeah, we're transitioning in more ways than one as a country. And I don't just mean from he to she. We're transitioning. <laughs> but don't worry. Massive inflation. Recession. Not enough money in your pocket. Nah, uh, uh. Along comes the Inflation Reduction Act. Yes. And... and, 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 and the Wait, we're going to reduce... Okay. Reduction Act, Dave. This bill will reduce brought inflation. To you, brought to you by Senator Manchin of yes. West Virginia. Because he's now agreed to a, a broader look yes. at the way that we're going to do an infrastructure bill. He so his hand well here. He okay. Okay. Well okay. Here. So how, how has he played his hand well? Let's game plan this out. Okay. He, he goes against the president and the leader of the Senate earlier in the ball game. Waits right. for inflation to go up. Right. Then he says, da Inflation Reduction Act, 
we can we can do this, and I can help save West Virginia's jobs. You can call it all you want. It's a watered down version of Build Back Better. Uh, uh, yeah, well, they're talking about reducing. Well, I guess if you read the bill, maybe <laughs> it's uh, seven hundred twenty-five pages, I believe. I just want based on the title. Don't well, you okay. guys just go based on titles? It's oh. titles only me, because you ne- no, you don't have to read the bill, man. Okay, fine. You you don't to, read the bill. You have to wait until it's passed to, to and then read the bill. Let me the bill Let me just the masthead of this bill is a seven hundred thirty-six seven hundred thirty-six billion dollar spending package, which will quarters of a trillion dollars. That's seven times more than the current Mega Millions jackpot. So let. Me, oh, that's that's interesting. Let me work through that for you for just a second. Seven hundred thirty-six billion. Seven hundred thirty-six billion. If you, Justin, were solely responsible for this, and you made one dollar, I, I did the math on the drive in this morning. <laughs> if you made one dollar every every yes, <laughs> every second, was sixty dollars an hour. That's pretty good money. It's about fifty-eight grand a year. That's good money. If you made one dollar every second, how long would it take you to pay back seven hundred thirty-six billion dollars? To I'm gonna, I'm gonna lowball you here. I'm gonna say two hundred fifty years. Actually, you're pretty close. It's two hundred and fifty. Actually, it's twenty-five thousand. Oh, twenty-five thousand. Uh, you're not close at all. I'll put, I'll put it to you one other way. That's why I feel if mad. every <laughs> if every American were responsible for seven hundred and thirty-six billion dollars, Dave, right? Seven hundred thirty-six billion dollars spread over three hundred and thirty million. I think that's a fair estimate of how many Amer- registered, you know, documented Americans there are. Not, how many, not how many people are in America, uh, but yes, okay. tax-paying American citizens. Three hundred thirty. I don't know about that yeah, the census yes. tells us. Let's just play with three hundred thirty million. Okay. Every person that is an I, American, I got to look at this. It's uh, it's uh, wait, it, yeah, it would require your phone to work. Yeah, it would. Yes, uh, if three hundred thirty million Americans were right. uh, uh, the wealth were spread and you were responsible for it, it would cost every American two thousand two hundred and thirty dollars. Putting new meaning to I'll bet my next paycheck. It, that's good money, awesome. by the way. Yeah. yeah. I'll bet my next paycheck that this is going to happen. So here's the issue we have. They, they, they've they ushered in this new bill. The the language dropped last night. I'm just going to go through. This is from Business Insider. I cleaned okay. up. I'm not going to the Times. Oh. Just, I could have clicked did. on Politico. You could have. <laughs> Energy and climate. The New Deal goes against Manchin's previous comments suggesting he would not support spending on climate change. This bill allocates $369 billion, with a B, dollars to energy security what does that and mean? climate change. Working to lower carbon emissions, but wait, by forty percent by the year twenty thirty. Joe, you're from West Virginia. What comes out of West Virginia's ground but Bes- coal? Besides people leaving the state and droves, well, yeah, this is true. Part of that, okay. Part of that is achieved. Yes. With new tax credits for electric vehicles meant to encourage more Americans to buy them. See, we're not going to lower gas prices. We're going to give you more government money to incentivize you getting an electric vehicle. It's called socialism. How? But, okay, I still go back to the question of how do you make the electricity? Under the bill. Okay. Stop it comes out of the wall. Stop oh. Logic. Stop with logic. Under Damn. the bill. Under the bill. Americans qualify, you're ready for this, for a $4,500 tax credit to buy a used electric vehicle. A used electric vehicle? Oh, buddy. That's not even like 10% of a used electric vehicle. Daddy government, 
Yes. The government's taking care of you guys. Oh, I thought it was government. Big Brother. Daddy government. No, no it's, it's Daddy, daddy government daddy, now. Okay, daddy government, while gas prices are $5, you're just going to deal with that? <laughs> yeah. We'll Buy you, yourself an electric we'll car. We'll give you $4,500 to go out, and you can piddle it around and try to do something with it. I heard um, someone say the other day, if your house is on fire, just go buy a fire truck. Yeah. It sets just aside. Just buy a new house. Listen, Government will pay for it's it. It's almost like Pete Buttigieg wrote this. <laughs> it sets aside $60 billion for the manufacturing of domestic clean energy. There are tax wait, wait, wait. Credits. We, we, okay. There are tax okay. credits to slash the cost of heat pumps, water heaters, and rooftop solar energy. Because those just, you know. Oh, but wait. There's you know, here's more! Here's what's interesting. When you tell me you want to curb inflation... Yes? I would I would think that would mean stop putting more money in the economy. Because let's let's just break this down Economics for you at home. with a... Here, here we go. When you take... Freaking how many? How, yeah, how many trillions of dollars have been injected into the economy since COVID? Six. Four, 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 to four, four to six, four to six trillion, trillion dollars. Runaway okay. national debt. Okay, yes. so we're taking, we, we've what? injected six, seven trillion dollars into the economy. Yes. In doing so, what's going to naturally happen to every price of everything? This is law of supply and demand and the way that money works. The more you put in there, it's going to have to be able to expand. It's like injecting air into a balloon, folks. That's what's going on. The balloon is going to get bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. The economy is not really changing size at all. No. But the prices are going up. You're feeling it because it's when when you got the. Let's go back to when you got the first check. Okay, remember when you got the first stimulus Mm -hmm. check that came in? Oh yeah. Total honesty hour. I didn't like receiving them at all. I took it. Mine was. Government's going to give me money. I'll take it. But I wasn't happy. We we took it. We put it right back into the economy and put a roof on the house because wedding. Because here's the thing. Here's the thing. Right. Well, here's the thing. Here's the problem that you got, Mitch. When you saved yours, Uh, yeah. That money that the money that you got in, yeah. Is now worth sixty percent of what it was when you put it in That's the bank. Right. Yeah. Uh oh. So I lost money. So yeah, yeah, you lost money, money on that oh, because no. the cost of redoing the roof on my house today would be close to fifteen thousand dollars, <laughs> not eleven. And, and that's where you have to start asking yourself the question, if we're going to put an in another three-quarters of a trillion dollars into an already expanding balloon, it's going to be, it's eventually going to pop. So the goal would be to understand that the balloon is, a, is now widely inflated more than it should be, and let's start taking measures to reduce the inflation of the balloon. Wow, interesting how the terms kind of coalesce. But instead, here's what I love about the Inflation Reduction Act. It doesn't reduce inflation, number one. Number two, it, 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 it cures the ills of the Democrat Party. Again, not trying to be partisan, just saying. We're talking about clean energy and reducing carbon emissions by, what, 40%? This is all the nonsense. The Green New Deal infused into Build Back Better the watered afford- down into this. Oh, an estimated $64 billion will be mm-hmm. focused on the extension of the Affordable Care Act, also known as Obamacare, for an additional three years through 2025, one year longer than suggested by Democrats. Americans purchasing insurance under the program would pay no more than 8.5% of their income for coverage. But don't worry. Over the next 10 years, the plan is to raise, instead of $736 billion, $739 billion. How? An additional $3 billion in additional revenue. Where do you get the additional revenue from? Code. Tax hikes. Well, and it may be on the richest... Two percent, one per. You will pay. 
for this you in more ways. You will pay. Now, here's the in thing. more they're ways getting, than one. They're getting a lot. Here's what I love. I give a lot of money every year to the IRS, as does Dave, as does Mitch, as does you, as do you. I was a journalist. Words are hard. <laughs> <words. laughs> it's fine. I've been watching, I've been watching, way, too much, I've been watching way too much of the president. Um, <laughs> I will not blink. Um, funding the Internal Revenue Service. How much we pay to pay the people who take the money from oh. us? Okay. 400 uh, Senate Democrats are submitting a tax revenue proposal to the yes. Senate Parliamentarian for Inclusion and Reconciliation that would raise approximately $450 billion to pay for deficit reduction. How do you raise? How do you how do you raise money to reduce the deficit? Clean I'm like energy and climate investments. The proposal's two main components would re rebuild the IRS. If you went to build a, back better, baby, and impose <laughs> and impose a fifteen percent corporate minimum tax to ensure that the wealthiest Americans and corporations cannot avoid paying their fair share of taxes. If you if you went to a financial planner right now, you, you pick one, any one of them. I, any sane one of them, and you presented this plan on how you were going to reduce spending, inflation, raise capital for your family, anything like that, they would look at you as if you had a a, a third ear, a, a, a fourth eye. I, I don't know. They would look at you like you were crazy. That's not over. Welcome there, to though. the U.S. government. By investing $80 billion over the next 10 years for tax enforcement... Okay. Compliance, right? Code. They're good. They're giving the IRS eighty billion dollars to, to come hunt to come people. hunt you down <laughs> and audit you. Now, who will they audit? I wonder. Hmm. What happened? Oh, in the, what happened? To, that was good. <laughs> what happened? Uh, Petticoat Junction. What happened? I'm <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> Help myself there. Oh. What happened? What happened on the Obama yeah, administration? Okay. Did they weaponize the IRS to to audit and investigate conservatives? Anyway. Um, the, the government IRS, would not do that. <laughs> Just ESG. The Congressional Budget Office yes. estimates the IRS will collect $203 billion. Paying for nearly a third of this provision, the spending package. This provision will raise $313 billion. Again, I want to go to... Full, full, full disclosure before we go to Florida... I wasn't the best at math. Like, of all my subjects, like, history, and as you can see, English wasn't that great either, science, and then math. How are you raising $313 billion with this? I don't understand, and that's the point. That's the point. Once you dig down into this, I encourage you. It's a long document. I encourage you to read it. Or listen to other podcasts where they'll break it down more because they focus on one thing. We focus on a bunch. Right. Because we're better. Um, That's why we're the fastest growing conservative <laughs> bingo. podcast in, America, in so, South Carolina. I'm not thinking rashly or anything like that. No. no. Okay. All right. Not at all. Careful. Uh, That's so, true. So what happens is uh, people read this, oh, the Inflation Reduction Act. Good. Senator Joe Manchin came to a census. By the way, Senator Kristen Sinema is not totally on board <laughs> for what it's worth. Um, here's, what's here's, what's here's what's happening. Here's what's happening. Here's why what happened on Election Day 2020 was not nearly as bad as what happened just a few days into the month of January. No, or was it December? When did the when did the Georgia Senate races happen? Help January me. 5th. Yeah. January 5th. <laughs> I 
imagine. I would, argue, I would argue January 5th is the day we lost our democracy. Um, because what happens is you have two Republican senators who lose, two conservatives who lose to two... Purdue and Loeffler. Wild liberals in Warnock Ossoff and Ossoff. Warnock. Have you heard from Ossoff? He's gone quiet for a reason. Yeah. He doesn't have to run for another five years. Ossoff is very, very quiet. And he's so, kind of... So, yeah. when that happens, now you have the 50-50 split in the Senate. And again, I just want to make the point. I know everyone rah-rah Joe Manchin for a while. Still a Democrat. And still has liberal aspirations. He's just a Democrat in West Virginia, so it's a little different. He's kind of an old-school Democrat. He's an old-school Democrat, but eventually you can't expect him to not cave to the pressure at some point. The point is you have major spending like this. It's going to be touted as, we're saving the economy. Good luck with that. I'll see you in the next quarter when we're continuing to lower our GDP. We move on to the school board in Florida. And we had to hit this really quick because we spent a lot of time on the IRS, which I don't like to do. And we shouldn't have. A Florida father. This is from American AmericanWireNews.com. <clears throat> a Florida father had his microphone cut off at a school board meeting as he confronted them about pornography in the library, only to have the member reveal that he was more concerned about violating FCC rules than presenting harmful material to children, leaving the father outraged over, quote, groomer and pedophiles and twisted sick people. Bruce Friedman is the president of Florida's No Left Turn in Education, the father of a 15-year-old son. He detailed his experience to Fox News Digital, where he had begun to read from one of three books he had prepared for an excerpt from, only to be immediately shut down. It was fast. Well, he did at least give fair warning that yeah. what he was going to read may not be for young ears. The book in And by the way, there are no FCC regulations when it comes to what's being shown on the internet. Just Correct. So you know. Are you saying people make rules up on the spot? I'm saying in that Florida, I'm in sa- certain no, places, not just in Florida. I'm saying school, school boards, boards make up yes. rules as they go in meetings <clears throat> about things that do not exist. There is very little logic there a lot of times. The book in We're question. We're going to leave that one there. The book in question was titled "Lucky" by Alice Seabold. If you have, um, if you, if you're, if you have younger children, just maybe mute real quick or. Pause it and come back to us. Your fair warning, five, four, three, two, one. There we go. A story that details the rape of a college girl, and as footage from the meeting showed, Friedman cautioned those attending and watching online about the content. I'm going to read things. If there's children watching, cover their ears. A member of the school board interrupted the concerned father and stated, I'm going to stop you right there. Turn off his microphone, please. He asked why. The problem is, sir, these meetings are broadcast. There are people watching at home that are on YouTube, people watching it on community television. Are you going to listen or are you going to run your mouth? Federal and state laws. Blah, 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 blah. At one point, he's like, shut your issue. mouth. Here's my one issue. If it's not okay to be broadcast over YouTube or cable television, closed circuit television, you move Spin on PBS. If it's not okay for it to be broadcast there, then why on earth is it okay for it to be in children's classrooms? This is the whole point of this, and this is where when the father gets up, I mean, the father starts reading it out loud, and when his microphone gets turned off, it, it, it's so ironic because it takes us back to exactly what we were talking about before when we talk about the recession. The, the chair of the board who is calling this man down, yeah. let's just play the clip real quick so that you can see exactly how the last part of it starts to play out. Here it is. Um. Tonight, I'm going to give a sampling from three books that are in our libraries, the Fleming School and the Oakley School. And then we can discuss 
you can discuss the process by which these books get on the shelves, because there's a Clay County employee that got paid to put this book, Lucky, by Alice Sabold. <clears throat> We're going to read things. If there's children watching, cover their ears. He began to need I'm going to stop you right there, sir. I'm going to stop you right there. Turn the microphone mm -hmm. off. Turn off his microphone, please. I've told you I'm stopping you. The reason I'm stopping you is because these meetings are, if you'll hush your mouth for a minute and listen, instead of just talking, you may learn something. He comes back to this point very clearly and saying, we're not going to be reading pornography on here. Well, you just called a book that's found in your school pornographic. Now, there are some folks in South Carolina, some, some members of our legislature, mm -hmm. who are pushing back on these particular issues, trying to defund what would be going into our libraries, our public libraries, our school libraries. Yep. And they're getting pushed back going, well, where in the world are we trying to sexualize our kids? We're trying to over-sexualize our kids. Show me where we're doing that. Huh. This is a prime example. And the reality that we have to face now is, how do we want our state tax dollars? Now, these, these are Florida state tax dollars. This didn't happen in South Carolina. But if it's happening in a state like Florida, you can be guaranteed there are places in South Carolina, oh, I don't know, maybe Richland County, where this could also be happening. And we have to be able to start looking at what's going on in our local communities. That's why we always talk about the fact that you've got to be a reflector on the guardrail in your community where you are. Because if it's happening in one community, you've got to be asking yourself the question, is it happening in mine? And if it is, what am I going to do about it? That's why we're here, because you need to be aware of what's happening and keep an eye and an ear out for the things that are going on in your hometown. And if you're out and you see these different issues, you learn about these, send them our way. Send them to us. Email at palmodofamily.org because then we can, on this podcast, Get it out to thousands of people to make everyone aware of what's going on, whether it be in Rock Hill or Richland or I'm not as good with Davis, the R names when it comes to South Carolina cities. Rinson. There you go. Good one. Ridgeway. I tell you what, let's let's do it this way. It could be in Greenwood, it could be in Georgetown, or it can be in Greenville. And that is where look at that second. <laughs> that is where the Democratic nominee for governor is going to be on Monday. That's right. You, you mean the Vice, Vice Governor, governor Wannabe? Beach Vi Beto? Oh. Vice Gov. Vice, Vice Gov is going to be in Greenville on Monday. Why? Why? Here's why. Well, he's campaigning, I think. Um, in the upstate of South get, Carolina? Got to get those 40% of voters. <coughs> um, here's the deal. Yesterday, being Wednesday, Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett mm -hmm. signed on. Bob. Signed on. She filed to run as the running mate of Governor Henry McMaster for re-election. This is only the first time ever <laughs> that a lieutenant governor and a governor have run for re-election on the same ticket. Right, because we didn't actually right. run as a ticket until this last gubernatorial election back right. in 2018. Right. We, we changed the law in South Carolina because we used to have the really long ticket where you'd have a governor and lieutenant governor and every other constitutional officer. Mm -hmm. We changed that law several years ago and last time was the first time you had a gubernatorial ticket where a governor and lieutenant governor actually ran together because before that you could have a democrat and a republican 
in the two highest offices in the state. Or you could have two, as we've talked about, the different shades of red. You could have two Republicans who are very, very different. Right. And so by running together, it actually creates a united front, very similar to what we think about when we think about mm-hmm. Washington, D.C. Right. And, and so now we have the lieutenant governor re-upping yep. with the governor as and part of that mcmaster evett ticket and the governor the governor had a few things to say from the election commission office uh, about the uh pro-life legislation that's coming out of the house out of the ad hoc committee Mm -hmm. he said that he would like to see and i'm just quoting here he would like to see sensible legislation come to his desk i don't know what that means for him um he's he's kind of he hasn't been all over the board gentlemen but he's been in he's been within the ballpark of what we're thinking is going to come out Mm -hmm. of the out of the committees and, and out of the House eventually. Now, at the very bottom of the article, I believe it was from the Post and Courier, there was a little snippet. Joe Cunningham will be in Greenville announcing his running mate on Monday. Hmm. Interesting. Now, how long is the list of people that, that he has... Here we he, go. He floated a list out there. It was about 10, 10 names or so. Right. Here we go. And we went through Catherine, those. Other. Catherine Whitaker of Mount Pleasant. Okay. Spencer Wetmore, Folly Beach. Okay. Ed Sutton, Charleston, Kimberly Johnson, Manning, Megan Smith, Spartanburg, Teresa Wilson, Columbia, Jermaine Johnson, uh, state rep, went to Lower Richland High School. Also Columbia area. Right. Yep. Rosalind Glenn, Columbia. Tally Parham Casey, Columbia, but a native of... Greenville, South Carolina. CEO of Weish Law Firm. First female fighter pilot in the South Carolina Air National Guard, a veteran of three combat tours in Iraq. She's a F- former F-16 fighter pilot, which, play the let, let's just play all the political sure. cards here real quick. Woman from the upstate, military, military background, S- awarded. Resides C- in Columbia. Resides in Columbia, leads a major law firm in our state. Don't think that that doesn't have dollars attached to it because that's the strength of having a large law firm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That is a that seems to be if I were to be prognosticating. I mean, if we want to kind of do like they do on game day, you know, it, who your pick's going to be right. on that one? I'm going to put my I'm going to put my pick right there. A, the geography certainly yields to Tally Park because she's based in Columbia. Yeah, because she's got upstate roots. Because she's got military. That's sense. everything. And Joe Cunningham does not have. Well, he also, needs about eight also, people to cover all that. I, don't, I, don't know, I, I would assume she's never lost an election either, so she's got that going for her. Um, I'm sorry. Did you really? Did you just pick on Beach yeah. Beta? So, so Tally Parm Casey appears to be the pick. Now, wouldn't it be something if he trots Spence, uh, Representative Wetmore out in Greenville? Uh, that'd be something. Uh, Let me introduce my neighbor from down in the low country. All the way up here in Greenville. So this appears to be where it's going to go. Like Dave said, if this is game day, where's the fighter jet? Ooh, ooh fighter jet. Um, Headgear selection. Come up with head yeah, get the helmet. Yes. Um, so that's probably who the pick's going to be for the for the vice governor. The vice. Bi- wait, that would governor. be the lieutenant vice governor. Lieutenant vice governor. There you go. Again, <laughs> again, he wants someone with ex- with with not as much experience because guys, are you ready for this? He was interviewed. Dave, I talked to you about this. Yes. Really quickly. He was asked some questions. <laughs> is it legitimate to ask the same question about Biden, whether he should run again at his age? This is from Cunningham. Okay. Yeah, and I have. I can't sit there and tell you with a straight face that government master is too old to govern and not confront the problems of my own party. Biden shouldn't run for another term. He should step aside and allow for a new generation of leadership. 
You mean to tell me out of hundreds of thousands of people in our country, as you look toward 2024, Biden and Trump are the best we have? He was then asked, how often do you hear people say something like Biden saying he was a bridge to the future? Plenty. And he said that. And here we are two years later. We're driving across this bridge and folks are like, what's on the other side? Question. This if he decided not to run, if Joe Biden decided not to run, should the vice president be the nominee in 2024? Joe Cunningham. <laughs> I don't think there's an heir apparent. I would love to see a big field. Including lots of Democratic governors. Hmm. Step up and show people what you've done. Now, I just say that to say that he might be rankling a lot of people that would be his base that will ultimately vote for him, but might not fundraise as hard for him. Well, you also have to take into account when you look at how voter turnout looks like in South Carolina, which, by the way, was paltry during the uh, yeah. primary. This is David monishing you. Uh, one out of six people in just, South... One out of six registered voters in South Carolina showed up at the polls. Just over election. 17%. When you begin to look at that, we can go back through and, and you wonder why we have the candidates that we have. It's because those of you who did show up selected the people that we have. If you yeah, don't like the, those these folks... Then show up next time. More Here's, if you would have showed up, then me and McLeod would be the nominee. So, so we have to look at this part of it, though, and ask the bigger question. Who actually tends to show up on Election Day? What Older demographic? Folks. Right. 62 plus ends up showing up more often for elections than any other demographic in, in, in South Carolina. Now, here's how the numbers break themselves down. About a third of the voters in South Carolina are 62 plus. Correct. About a third of the voters are 18 to 44. Which leaves about a third that are somewhere in the middle range there, in that mm -hmm. middle part of age. Of, of age, I will not take that any <clears> further <throat> at the moment. But you shut up. So <laughs> you just whatever. But when you think about this, the voters who actually show up are not necessarily the eighteen to twenty-five year olds who are going, "Yeah, we need somebody fresh and new." No, they tend to be the folks who've been like. So you really want to sit there and tell me how bad it is that I actually am? Because, I don't yeah. know, the in-migration of South Carolina is not necessarily people who are 18 to 25, the millennials who are looking for a new generation of leadership. It's the people who have 62 plus and chosen to retire looking at you, South wrote. Carolina. Yeah. So, really quickly, as we wrap things up, the president that Joe Cunningham believes shouldn't run in 2024, it is, as of recording this, 9.43 and 10 seconds. He is not said tweeted anything about the recession because there, what, there, there is not. there is no recession there, justin well, what well, is what is a recession what, it depends on what the definition of is is, is. all right really, Clinton. Uh, careful <laughs> so as we wrap up this edition of the fast growing conservative podcast in south carolina i want to make you uh, aware of two things number one if this all this stuff about inflation is getting you down i'll tell you what's cost affordable and what will go back into the pocket of hardworking Americans, that's buying a candle from Halfley Haven Co. That would do it. 100% handmade soy wax candles. Burn them. Enjoy them. Let the aroma without the chemical overbearing just waft through the room and you'll be relaxed. And you can do all of that while snacking on something from M&B Sweets Bakery. Ooh, Look at that. That is nice. two reads in one. Take that, Shapiro. <laughs> gluten-free, the gluten-free desserts that are created by M&B Sweets. They're a home-based business here in South Carolina. They're amazing. Deliver across, they deliver across America, but some of the best 
uh, gluten-free desserts that you will ever eat. I had one. They, they brought one over to us the other day, and it was the most moist cake I had ever tasted. I asked Mackenzie, uh, who's one of the two proprietors, I said, how in the world do you do this? And she's like, we've just been working on creating. It's magic. It's, yeah, it's magic. It's, they're in the kitchen working magic. But, you know, get gluten-free, get gluten-free desserts. Uh, the macarons, you name it, and we actually has had we had given out the the gluten free, sugar free, sugar free, guilt free, grain free brownies yeah. that were a melt in oh, your wow. mouth. If you don't if you don't know how good they actually are, then call your state representative or your state senator, state senator. and ask the folks who answer the phone how were the brownies from Palmetto Family. They will tell you it is worth it. M and B Sweets, you can find them on Facebook or mbsweets.com. And Halfley Haven Co., you can find them on Facebook as well. Halfley Haven Co., plenty of candles for the summer season, and I promise you they're already in the planning stages of the fall season, so you know what's coming. You know what's coming. You know what it is. Pumpkin spice latte. Pumpkin spice candle. It's coming. I it's promise the best you, way to burn your money. I'm telling you. It's, Ooh. It, you, will, you will be better served burning your money that way than you will burning your money on giving it to the government to give you then $4,500 to buy an election. Simple as that. Wow. What a week. There's a there's a big week ahead on the Palmetto Family Matters podcast. just want to wow. let you know about a few things. Next week, we already have folks lined up from Lighthouse for Life. Congressman Joe Wilson will be here with us. Uh, our colleague Jonathan Keller will be with us here oh, shortly from so Jonathan, California. So Jonathan Keller is is uh, the, the head of the California Family Organization, our sister organization in California. The the winds the, bears really cool. the winds really of cool. political change that are coming from the left coast True. are just absolutely they'll scare you to death yeah. honestly when you start looking at the things that are coming we're going to talk with Jonathan in the coming weeks about what's coming out of California because if it's coming across California it's going to make its way across the country eventually. and we have got to start figuring out how we're going to build a barrier over here eventually it will make its way to the good old state of South Carolina, the best state in these United States. So stay tuned for that. Be aware of that. That is coming. We have plenty of conversations coming up over the next several weeks with some great, great guests that we are thrilled to have right here in our new studios here at the corner of Lady and Marion. And it's a great place to be. Yeah, yes it is. So for Mitch, for Dave, for our entire team here at Palmetto Family, thank you so much for watching. Make sure to like, share, subscribe, leave a comment, leave a five-star review, all the stuff. YouTube, click the little bell, ding, to get the notifications whenever a new video is uploaded. Just right there. Just do okay. it all, how they do okay? it on YouTube? Yes. Just click right there. That's all. we got to get out of here. Thanks so much for watching the fastest-growing conservative podcast in the state of South Carolina, the Palmetto Family Matters Podcast.